Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Volley. As always, this is uh, some awkward territory right now. <laughs> we're not we're not used to having this much uh, air to fill before any significant events happen with this team. No game to talk about. No games coming up anytime soon. Free agency two months away. I, shit, man, this is you have to yeah. Fight. I don't know what to do. Yeah, I, I feel like Ricky Bobby and uh, I don't know what to do with my hands. Like, it, it's just this is weird. Um, I honestly totally forgot we were recording today. So uh, I, I had to remind myself what our schedule was. It's like, oh, yeah, it's Wednesday. We should probably plan out an episode or something. Yeah, I uh, it, it's just unfamiliar territory for the both of us. So, yeah, I we're what five days, not even five days, four days removed yeah. from from game seven. Right. And that even. Yeah, I am. I don't know. I really don't feel anything right now. I just kind of feel empty. That's kind of how I feel about the whole thing. The only thing I felt was when I was watching hockey last night, as I promised myself I wouldn't, but I did anyway, (laughs) watching hockey last night and watching the game versus the stars and the Kraken. All I could think about was I do not have the faculties for another playoff series right now. And if they did end up winning that series and going on to play Dallas, this would have been a slog of a five-game series en route to the Avalanche getting absolutely curb stomped. Yeah, um, because we all know the Stars. I mean, I think there was maybe one or two games that the Avs could have pulled out just because McKinnon and Ranston would go crazy. But just based off what we saw in that Seattle series, that, that would have been a very quick series. Like six would have been an accomplishment. Yeah, just getting out of the first round, like that would have been our Stanley Cup. At that yeah. time, you win the division, you win a round, you have like you'd have no reinforcements coming back for Dallas, yeah. none whatsoever. We still don't know what's going on with Val. Gabe was not coming back, Cogliano wasn't coming back. Manson, even if he did come back, would probably still be playing at most 50%. It would have been a brutal watch. So now that we're a few days removed from the end of this Seattle series, the general sentiment that I've been getting is like, yeah, you would have liked to win, but it was time for this season to be done. No one no one is super heartbroken about no. this. And that's what's weird, because like previous playoff losses, you were just like, I am so pissed. Like, I uh, I can't do anything like this. one, I was kind of like, oh, thank God. Like, this yeah. is this is over. It's just one less stress I have in my life. Um, but. Still, like you look at it, and I, I don't want this to sound like loser talk. It's not loser talk. It's just this team was exhausted. Like they they were beaten to shit, and they gave it their best effort. Like that, I don't think that's loser talk to say you gave your best effort. No, I mean in Game Seven, the, credit to the Avs, they left it out there. Their top guns, they left everything out there in that game, and it, they just fell short. It's not like we're talking right now after getting swept or losing in five to Seattle. You went seven. 
and the bounces didn't go your way in game seven. And I was expecting the national narrative about this team to really shift. Oh, they can't get it done in game seven. But the general sentiment that I've seen from the fan base and from just the national perspective as a whole is like, yeah, this was not the same Colorado team. Not even we knew that coming into the season, they weren't going to be the same team. Right. And it only got worse as it went on. More guys guys exit the lineup. More guys exit the lineup. You go through the series and you have guys that are exiting the lineup. And I think people understand, like, yeah, you know, this was a down year for the Avalanche, out of their control, essentially. They lost a lot of key pieces and lost even more as the season went on. I mean, the Avs had like oh it seemed like 40 players dressed for them throughout the entire season. I think it would end up being like 50, like almost 50. I think, I think the exact number was 41 uh, was the amount of guys that suited up for the avalanche this season. It is really hard to have a good normal season when that is the kind of adversity you're going through in December. This was, we've said it a million times since the end of the series, just such a mess of a season like you rarely see guys after a game seven loss where you're reading reading in between the lines and they're saying thank god like yeah we're disappointed but thank god this season is over yeah i mean it was like the way i look at it is the end of year sale of all the jerseys is going to be sick because there's going to be a ton of fucking jerseys that you can go get from players worn um but i just um I think everyone is on that same page where it's like, thank God this is over. Like, I really do believe that this is going to be the best thing for the abs in the long run, just to have a nice, long, normal off season where you can just full on relax. You don't have to worry about a cup hangover. Like Colorado is going to be a dangerous team next year. And we'll save that for the long off season stories we 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 have coming up. We got two months episodes to fill before we can start talking about new guys on this team. Yeah. But, you know, when, I think when we look back at this season, we're going to understand what happened here. This was hopefully the biggest down year that this team is going to have with this core. And they still won the division yeah. and they were still a couple of bounces away from going to the second round. They were an overturned goal and two bad bounces going the other way for goals for playing in the second round right now against the stars. Do they get crushed by the stars? Probably, but it's still something to, to at least win a series. You talk about 41 players played a game for the abs this season. Like you think about that. You're really only allowed to have what 50 contracts at a time. Basically it might be 53. So that's football. That's football. Yeah. That's football. Sorry. 50 contracts at a time. And you're using all but nine of those guys in the regular season, which puts uh, also the Eagles through turmoil as well. It's just been one disaster after another week, week. But when you really look at it, like, yeah, this was down year, disappointing year. Even still, they still won their division. They still got 109 points. They still almost made it to the second round. You give them, like you were saying, an offseason to heal, get their surgeries, add some reinforcements to the lineup. That's the biggest thing. This roster does need some work. You do all of that, the Avs could very well be starting next season as the Stanley Cup favorites again. It would not shock me in the least. Like I I would not be surprised if they're the Stanley Cup favorites, depending on who wins this year. Um, 
I would expect the abs to be one of the top favorites and it'll probably actually be good value. You can get them on because it's going to be, it's going to be nice. But did you see that thing today? Like how, how are you feeling about Miko going and playing uh, in the world championships? Like, I, I mean, does it kind of feel like he's tempting fate since he, he was the only player that played every game. My first thought was to have fun. As long as you don't get hurt, you made yeah. it through the entire season pretty much being the only guy that didn't go down. Please don't do it in the world championships, man. Just stay healthy. We don't need anything else right now going into next season. Go have a great time. You don't have to go that hard into the boards though. No. Like that, that shot you got to block in a round Robin game. Maybe like, maybe you don't have to do that. Yeah. I I don't think so. And then I, I guess like I saw something today that Peter Baugh tweeted out that, uh, Lekkonen got hurt in that first round series again, too. I, yeah, we're, we're going to see a full extensive list probably in the next couple of days of everyone who got hurt on this team. Lekkonen got hurt midway through the series, according to Bednar. Like That is going to be a horrifying list to look at and probably not even the full story. He also mentioned like there's going to be guys that are going to need to go under the knife here over the, the offseason and everything. Like Probably going to the second round like you were saying long-term wise might not have been the greatest thing considering the amount of injuries guys are playing through and surely the amount of injuries that were going to pop up as well, going through another playoff series this time against an actual rival that you have beef with. And they want to beat you really bad, right? (laughs) Like really bad. So yeah, I, I am thankful that, hopefully no one else is going to get hurt. I doubt McKinnon and McCarr go play for Canada in the world championships. I'm McCarr, absolutely, McCarr, absolutely not. Yeah. Like, maybe Devon Taves shut down. McCarr is absolutely shut down. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll have to wait and see, but it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what, uh, what this off season brings. And like I said, I really do think this is a good thing that they, that they're going to have a nice long off season. Because you have that tweet from Arif that he tweeted out that I, I that kind of blew my mind when I sent it to you. Yeah. So basically is that Arif tweeted yesterday. So today, by the time we're recording this, is the one-year anniversary of game one between Colorado and Nashville last year, which adds up to 109 games played in the last 365 days. That's ridiculous. With an entire offseason in, yeah. in that as well. These guys have played a lot of hockey recently and a lot of the big guns have really had to carry the load this year between injuries and guys just not pulling their weight yeah just not pulling their weight i don't know if you can hear my blinds clackling in the background because of the wind but that just really threw me off that's why there was that delay right there Um, but yeah i mean it's that's so much hockey dude like we, we we know the 82 game season is a grind we know that but to play that many games in less than a year, that's crazy. That's just absolutely crazy. Yeah. And you brought up a good point a little while ago with the the normal offseason. Because I was thinking about that. The last time this team had a normal offseason was after they lost to the Sharks in 2019. Because ever since then, it has been the first COVID-interrupted season where you have like a three-month break and then the playoffs and then basically what amounted to two months of the off season because the cup was handed out in was early October, late September. And you're starting again, January 1st, after all of that. And then you have the shortened season last year 
the Stanley Cup's not getting handed out until July, I think. The Avalanche lost in the second round, and that was June 10th, I believe, was or at least close to that day. And they're playing again in October, on like October 13th. And that whole offseason was a mess and everything. And then you have last offseason, which was normal for everybody else. The Avalanche are coming off of a Stanley Cup and pretty having to make some pretty emotional decisions about the guys they want to keep and losing a guy like Nazem Kadri, bringing back guys like Darren Helm, Andrew Cogliano, and Josh Manson. It's It's been a collection of very strange years for this team. And I think, like you said, in the long term, not going to be a bad thing for these guys to maybe have an extra two months to heal up. That sounds like such loser talk. It does, but when it's the reality of the situation, when your championship window is wide open, like it is for the abs. So I I don't want to hear any abs fans saying that it's not open. Like it's closed. Like it's not Not like the, the championship window is wide open for the abs. And People are going to look at the Tampa Bay Lightning and what they did, how they maintained that success. That is an anomaly. Like right. to go to three straight Stanley Cup finals does not happen. It's literally an anomaly because the two seasons it happened in were literally anomalies. We're never going to see seasons like that again. And they went to the Stanley Cup final against the Avs in a normal year and lost. So you're absolutely right. Yeah, those are absolutely anomalies. And Nikita Kucherov for the second one didn't play any game in the regular season and started fresh in the playoffs. Yeah, and that's where people are going to think like, oh, the Lightning just did it. And it's like, that hasn't happened since the fucking 80s, man. (laughs) Like you don't have to win back-to-back cups to be considered one of the best teams of your generation. Right. It's not out of the question that the Avs can still do that. They can still win back-to-back cups eventually if they have the right team constructed for it. You know, like, because this is what, year five, six of this current iteration? I'd say I'd say the first year they had a legitimate chance was the year they lost to Vegas. But that, when, that's when I really think the championship window opened. I, I'd argue Dallas the year before. I mean, they were one of the best teams in the NHL before. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I just forget about that season. It's such it's do. such a strange season. It gets interrupted halfway through, but they were in a fight with the Blues, who were at the time the defending champions, for the top seed in the West at that point. And stop me if you've heard this before, game seven, ton of injuries, and the Avs just can't get enough to go their way to get the job done. Wonder where I've heard that one before. <laughs> and then Vegas was one of their most dominant seasons. They get the president trophy and just fall short and then get Stanley cup after that. I'd say that's a pretty big part of the Stanley cup windows actually winning. And then you have this year where stuff went wrong from day one and never got better. Never got better. I I still remember just like the optimism we had that Landeskog was going to be okay. By like December. Yeah. Yeah. That was great optimism we had. Uh, God, if, like Landeskog might not be back by December this year. He may not be back at all, man. I don't fucking know. But um, yeah, there was a lot of optimism to start the year. Obviously, you go into go into it as a Stanley Cup favorite. But that's hockey, man. Like the best team of all time lost in the first round. <laughs> like, I, I think that's a lot of why. The Avs haven't gotten too much heat. It's because I think that the Bruins and the Rangers are getting a lot more of the heat, which rightfully so, because they squandered massive years for the Avalanche. It's pretty well established. Like 
it's not really a punt year, but this was not the same team. And if they have a good offseason, they're going to be much better next year. The Bruins are not. The Rangers are not. Those two are in massive trouble. So you look at how the Avs are stacked up to teams that missed the playoffs and teams that just lost in the first round. They are fine. They are just fine. They they don't have nothing to worry about, but they have way less to worry about. Like next offseason, we'll talk about that. But for this one, you're fine. You got stuff to address, same as every other team in the NHL, but you don't have massive names walking out the door where it's like you have to win now because this could be the last year of Patrice Bergeron's career and Marshawn's not getting any younger and you go all in by getting Tarasenko and Kane and bow out in the first round like things could be so much worse well and as you talk about the Rangers that was the most pathetic game seven effort I've ever seen thank oh, god the abs at least second, huh? second well, for me but yes. Oh, okay. Fair. That was pitiful from the Rangers. And at least the Avs went out with a fighter's punch. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like, like, they lost a two to one game that they should have won. That you look at the metrics, you look at the scoring chances. They got goalied and Seattle got the bounces to go their way. They should have won that game. The Rangers got slaughtered. <laughs> they got their ass kicked. That wasn't even close, dude. Like I've, I've enjoyed it. I know you're probably enjoying it too. Like, I don't know if you're on TikTok as much as I am, but just all the Rangers fans saying they need to trade Panarin, they need to get rid of Truba, they need to do all that stuff. Like, the Avs, we don't have that. We have, like, none of that. I mean, well, Panarin was good for, like, two games in that series and had statistically the worst stretch of his entire career through games three and seven. Jacob Truba is just absolutely useless. We knew that, though. (laughs) we, We all knew. Everybody knew that. His only mark on the series was headshotting Timo Meyer with five minutes left in a totally wasted effort. First of all, not a clean hit. Don't care what the rules say. That should not be part of the game, but I could go on for hours about player safety. I think I've made my thoughts on the Department of Player Safety pretty clear the last couple of days. But the Rangers, like, they're not in a good place. And now you're looking at where they're two years into this contention window, and you're asking whether they, they compromise their rebuild to start going for this early. And are they going to be able to work themselves out of this now? They are a lot closer to what the Bruins are than I think we want to give them credit. Like their young players have not developed in the slightest. And Lafreniere did nothing in the he series. He got literally goose eggs all Zero. around the board. Zero points in the series for a guy who when in his draft year had comparable numbers to Sidney Crosby. Yeah. He's still going to get an offer sheet from someone and I wouldn't hate him on the abs. I'll leave it at that. (laughs) I I wouldn't. If you can find a way to get him cheap without giving up a ton of assets, if you can somehow prime out of New York, I mean, the amount of untapped potential that could be there, I think every team would be in on that. Oh yeah. Without, I also think he kick ass on like the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, That's really it. Cause he, I I was looking at his stats. He got like zero power play time and he has still had 35 even strength points. Like he's not, his point production has gone up every year. It's just, he hasn't been a number one draft pick. Very, very slowly. It's gone 21, 31, 39 this year. Last year in the playoffs, he had nine points in 20 playoff games. This year he had zero zilch nada in seven games. Where I mean, Gerard Gallant's not going to be back for that. No. He's, I'm surprised he hasn't been he, fired yet. 
he's toast. There's no way they bring him back. I mean, Rangers fans were calling for his head like a week into his tenure with the team. And even <laughs> after they went to the Eastern Conference final, there is no shot he's back next year with yeah. the roster that he had constructed for him to not even get out of round one when you had a 2-0 lead. You're yeah. done. You're it's done. Rough. But it's like that, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like we, we talked about the Rangers and the Bruins, the abs, it's just a totally different mentality. Like right. it's, it's not a bad way to look at it. It really I mean, isn't. You look at all the other teams that lost in the first round. You can argue the abs are 100% the most well set up for the future. 100%. Like Boston, I think is in big trouble because we talked before the season. I'll talk more about this later. We talked before the season, like this could be the last dance for the Bruins, where this is one last shot. They brought back Krejci. They brought back Bergeron. Are they going to be able to make one last run with this core? Turns out they're the best regular season of all time. And right. the, the wheels fall off. Tampa Bay's not done. No. But they're in trouble. They've got some cap problems to deal with, and they're not getting better. They, no, I mean, look, look got, at They scratched Janot in yeah. game six. Like, that was that was supposed to be their Nick Paul this year was to get yeah. – was to get Tanner Janot for five draft picks and Cal Foot. It's such an awful trade. And Alex Kalorn's going to be a UFA. We'll see if he's they gone. Yeah, we'll see. yeah, he's the highest scoring UFA this season. He had a career year. I didn't even know that until today. He has the <laughs> most points of any UFA, which I think speaks to this UFA class. Belmar's expiring. Perry's expiring. Janot's going to need a new contract, and they've got Sergachev kicking up to 8.5, Chernak kicking up to 5.2, Sorelli kicking up to 6.2 next season. They're going to make the playoffs, and they're still going to be a good team, but it's starting to get past the afternoon with that core. The sun is very slowly starting to set where they're not a slam dunk anymore. Still, I mean, you, you you ride that core until the very end. Yeah. But yeah, the, the light, we're, we're seeing a changing of the guard in the East. We're going to see a big change of the guard. Uh, we've already seen it with New Jersey, Carolina. Um, I think Buffalo is going to be a playoff team next year. I think next year, the East is probably the most fascinating conference I've ever seen. But it's far from done. We still don't even know who's going to represent the East in the Stanley Cup final. But next year's Eastern Conference... There's not a lot of bad teams in there. Buffalo's going to be really good. Ottawa with a full year at Jacob Chikrin and growth from guys like Tim Stutzla is going to be really dangerous. I don't see the Caps having another awful injury-riddled season, especially if you they... You say that now, but you know okay. exactly when October rolls around. It be. depends what they do. It is rumored today that they're talking to, Je to Jeff Halpern and Scott Cadbury. I like those. I think those are good hires if they can get those done. And... There's no outstanding injuries that are already hanging over your head right now, which is an immediate improvement. And I'll go on the other side. Pittsburgh, if they bring in the right management and they bring in some goaltending, they're right back in this conversation oh, yeah. again. Absolutely. There's going to be good teams that miss the playoffs next year. Like I, I think a team like the Islanders is toast. I don't think oh, they yeah. way ahead of myself because we have not even begun. They have not been in the grave for a week yet, but there's a lot to figure out in the East right now. There's a lot. And the West, like, really, do you see any teams getting, like, significantly better with, like, younger players? Like, I, I Seattle, maybe. 
Seattle, I think is, I think Seattle is going to have, depending what they do, this is a very early conversation because for all we know, they could be the defending champs going in the next year. <laughs> they could. That'd they be very could, funny. They're up 1-0 on Dallas right now. They could very well be in two months, the defending Stanley Cup champions. We'll see where that goes. But I think Seattle, they're just going to kind of stay this way for a while, especially if it's working and just see what they can grow with Matty Beneers. Los Angeles is to me that candidate if they get growth from their young guys to turn into a more powerhouse West team. But I think that I think the only growth they've gotten though is from Kaliev and Jersey. But they have they have so many of them. Right. If they grow a bit, then that team becomes instantly more dangerous. True. But like that's my whole point. You look at the West, you kind of have to like stretch to find it. So in the West, if you look at it. Like the stars, I think are going to be consistently this for the next couple of years. I think that's where the stars are going to be. The Oilers, they're going to stay the same. Um, Vegas, I don't know. I really don't. We'll have to wait and see what what their team's going to look like. Um, Arizona's not there yet. Chicago's way off. I mean, uh, you, you look at the teams at the bottom, like they're not going anywhere anytime soon. Like if yeah. Anaheim gets Bedard, I could see them turning it around pretty quickly. Chicago is nowhere near the playoffs for a while. They have torn that thing down to the strips. They've done a good job. They've got a lot of draft picks, but San Jose is going nowhere. Arizona's a few years off. Yep. Maybe the Blues can bounce back a bit next season with a good off season. Like Vancouver, Nashville, Calgary, like these are teams with massive like controversies surrounding them right now. Yeah. And and that's why I think the abs are in the best spot they can be in with yeah. this. They're just they're, fine. They're going to be one of the favorites in the West again. That's just how it's going to be. Yeah. And here's the thing. You can't be as injured as we were this year. It's, it's physically impossible. You still look at the season. We talk about it. Like we got a wild card seed and <laughs> snuck into the playoffs and lost a respectable six-game series to a good team. We won the Central. We were third in the West for 109 points and only didn't have second because we lost the tiebreaker to the Oilers. We were three points away from winning the entire conference in the season that we just had. You put Gabe Landeskog back on this team, whenever that is, if that is at all, or whatever kind of reinforcements they're hopefully going to bring in in the offseason, and guys just stay healthy. It is really hard to look at this Avs team as anything other than they are still absolutely just fine for the time being. Did you see, I don't know if you saw Raj's uh, armchair GM? I did not. I've been I've been doing plenty of armchair Yeah, he, he reminded me of you because I, I honestly thought that tweet was from you. With what it was, it, it was like, it was a crazy. I'll have to pull it up because I've got it right here. Let me see. This is my live reaction. Yeah. Live. Okay, Mark Shifley. We're starting up with a bang. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. <laughs> okay, okay. Sam Gerard in a first for Mark Shifley. Uh, the 2023 first for Alexi Lafreniere and trading Frankie to Detroit for a fourth round pick. Signing Nick Felino, Scott Mayfield. I like that. I like Scott Mayfield, but he's not going to get one year 1.25. Rush. That's going to that's going to be something. He's bringing back Byron for three times four. Lafreniere two times two. Newhook two times one point five. Onanen is backup goalie already next season. I don't know if he's ready for that. And Nick Felino back or bringing in Nick Felino and bringing back Erod two times two. I like I like where his head's at, 
he is really underestimating some contract value there. Erod's easily getting 3.5. Yeah. And I still think the Avs can do that. I think they can find a way to make Erod work. I don't know if Mark Shifley is going to be the guy they go after. I don't know. I mean, Sam Gerrard in a first, is that enough for Mark Shifley? I don't know. The Jets seem to be kind of in free fall. <laughs> oh, the, the Jets, they need to be in free fall. Kevin Sheveldayoff needs to lose his job. He's run that team for 12 years. They've made it to the conference finals once. You're done. Yeah, I I, I agree with you, though. Like, Shifley would be an interesting second-line center, but I feel like there's better ones out there, i.e. Nick Schmaltz. <laughs> He's the big – Shifley is probably the sexiest name you can get this offseason from guys that are realistically available – However, I want a long-term solution right. at line center. I don't want to do this again next season where we're talking like is once Nazem Kadri is gone, like we were in the cup season, like what are they going to do at second line center? Turns out it's nothing. And then you have new hook and Comfer and everyone like who's going to claim second line center. Are they going to get one at the deadline? Then they don't. Mark Shifley only has one year left at 6.125. If they do that, the Avs are Stanley Cup favorites. There's no doubt about that. But Nick Schmaltz, who we will probably talk about more than probably most Avs players over the next two months before the offseason really begins, has three years left at slightly less money. I really just want a guy at 2C who's going to be there for a while, that we don't have to just do this again next season talk about trading another first round pick or hoping that new hook comes in the year after that it's like i want a guy i i think you're right because i think the move for shifley would be if our window was closing yes if our window was closing you make that trade see but I our window's that, wide open i think that's a deadline move you if the abs are bringing in mark shifley next season it'll be at the trade deadline not in the off season where the jets their season completely falls apart and you can get Shifley at half retained. That would be, I think, where that move happens. But for an off-season move, you're looking at something. The Avs don't usually like the one-year guy. They do sometimes. But for an issue like this, as glaring as it is with second-line center, where you don't have an option right now to really replace it, you tried JT Comfer. You've tried it more than once now. It failed both times, both against Vegas when you didn't have Nazem Kadri. And he was probably, to me, one of the most disappointing players of this series compared to Alex Newhook, who was also, to me, one of the most disappointing players of the Seattle series and probably the player I was most disappointed in last season, where you can either bring JT Kompfer back at term to be your second-line center, which I don't like, and I did not see enough from Alex Newhook this year to suggest that, yeah, he gets that role now or that even he'll be ready next season for that. Right. Right. And I, if there's one thing we've learned from this Avs management is they don't make those moves. Like last year when they won the cup, that was kind of an anomaly. But you look at the trade, they brought back almost every single person they acquired in those trades to long-term contracts. So even though it was a rental in that moment, they still sign those players to term afterwards. So like McFarland is, it's going to be interesting to see what he does. It really is because there's going to be a lot of options and we'll, we'll go way deep into them coming up uh, in the next couple months. But 
I don't think you need to make that panic move right now. And I'm not getting the feeling that they're going to make that panic move. No, I don't. Not- and I don't think they're going to make any sort of panic move or anything. I I think they had guys they liked at the trade deadline. We can talk about the trade deadline now, since that seems to be everybody's favorite topic. This playoff <laughs> series is it's OK to be disappointed that the Avs didn't do a lot at the trade deadline. But you also have to look at it through the right lens, where they did think that Gabe Landeskog was going to be back, and that was going to be $7 million that they had to plan for. And they no one expected Val Nachushkin to just not be available in the playoffs. Like, no one saw that coming. And I fully believe the reports that they really liked Ryan O'Reilly, but the Leafs had more assets to bid with and easily outbid the Avs. The Avs could not match that offer, and they got Nolachari out of it, too. Yeah. And that was pretty early in the deadline, too. Okay, so let's move on to option number two. Another big, sexy name, Jonathan Taze. Taken off the market by the Blackhawks because he's he's unavailable, still dealing with a lot of medical issues. It's a name that everyone liked coming into the season is the Avs and Jonathan Taze. Just seems like a natural fit. He's off the market entirely. And so center after center is already off the board at this point. We talked for a little bit, and I think there was more to it than was let on that the Avs might have been in on Adam Henrique. But what happened to Henrique? He got hurt before yeah. the deadline and was not available. And just with the way this Avs season has gone, are you going to invest assets into someone who is actively hurt right now with the the kind of luck we've had this season? Right. Probably not. So now you're going down that list. You're even later in the deadline at this point, and now you're talking about the Lars Ellers of the world where you, the Caps probably had him by the balls. Like, you can have Eller for second-round pick. I mean, I still think a second is a lot to give up for Lars Eller still. But to be fair, but, the way he played in the playoffs made it worth it. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to get re-signed. I have a feeling he's coming back. I, I, I think they're going to re-sign him for 4C. If if the plan is to bring Eller back for the same role, I don't think that's going to work very no, well. If you no. Can, if you can bring him back as a 4C and get at least another good defensive year out of him, then I think that makes losing that second round pick more palatable. Not that I care about the prospect you'd get with that pick. I just think probably could have been a little better spent. I mean, you also look at the prices that the Wild paid at the the trade deadline where they got Marcus Johansson from the same team for a third round pick. They get Oscar Sundquist for a fourth round pick and John Klingberg for a fourth round pick and other throwaway assets. I mean, the wild had a very good trade deadline. I think they got Nyquist for a fifth as well, even if they got him knowing he wouldn't play till the end of the regular season, the wild had a very good trade deadline. And I wish the Avs maybe went after some of those guys for the prices that they got, but look where that got Minnesota two games. And I think we're not looking at this. Like it's kind of, blowing my mind that I just thought about this now and it's not going to blow anyone's mind because they're probably like Doug Christian. That makes sense. But with the Avs getting bounced in the first round, that's going to be a pretty decent first round pick. I like, think it's 27th because we won. Still? The, we won the division. That, ah, yeah. that blows. I was hoping it'd be like in the, in the mid twenties, low twenties. Cause we were the lowest division winner. Weren't we? I want to say we're, yes, I think we, you're right. We were, yeah, so that would make us, that would put us probably, We'll be behind the teams that go to the conference final. So if I can filibuster and pull up Tankathon, which should have us correctly, I believe we would be 27th. So yes, I'm correct. Damn. Damn. 
I was hoping it'd be a lot better. I well, guess it, I was thinking it, it was be. more like NFL draft where it's like where you finish in the season it in the playoffs. Be. That's where if, it goes. If Vegas loses, uh, if Vegas and Carolina lose this round, they'd be ahead of us in the draft. But if they go to the conference final, so here's what I'm thinking right now. So if Vegas and Carolina lose, they're division winners that were ahead of us in the standings. And that would push teams like Edmonton and New Jersey ahead of us in the draft or right. deeper into the draft, which push, pushes our pick back up. But as it stands right now, the Avs have the 27th overall pick. I was really hoping to be like mid 20s, but so is life. That would have been cool. Could you imagine if we would have gotten like a posture knock at like pick 21? <laughs> like that would have been, been cool. very nice to just have a posture knock at all. And you never know with the draft yeah. times, you never know what you might get. Hey, everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, as right now new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. As we get towards the end of the first round and into the beginning of the second round, DraftKings has got you covered with same-game parlays and all of the best lines and odds you can hope for on any sportsbook. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can make a $5 hockey playoff bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. See show notes for details at DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Now, back to the episode. I think the overall sentiment that uh, we have to have as Avs fans, because that's what we are, is the future is still very bright for this team. Like, they're going to need to make some changes. They are. And they're going to have to figure out second-line center. But like I said earlier, there's just no humanly way possible that they can be more injured than they were this year. Right. They there's just no way. The, the amount of injuries that they had this season is some of the most absurd luck I have ever seen in my entire life. And it still blows my mind that we're talking about a division winner right yeah. now. Look at everything this team had to deal with, which I think you give this a couple of years, we're going to look back on this really as Miko Rantanen's emergence into true superstardom and Nathan McKinnon firmly planting his flag as a top five player. Not that there was any question for that for McKinnon, but he is now firmly on top of that mountain in the top tier. There's zero question about it. And he's going to be worth every penny of that $12.6 million. And the thing is, is like, this was a down year from Kale McCarr. Like last time we saw Kale McCarr at his full powers, he was the best defenseman in the world. Right. And it was very clear that Kale McCarr was not healthy. Very clear. Yeah. Uh, so he'll be a full 100% going into the season. Devon Taves is in a contract year. Can you imagine the year Devon Taves is going to have this year? He's yeah. going to be absurd this year. I th I think if Devon Taves is not extended by the start of next season, I don't think he's coming back. Agreed. I agree with you. The season he's going to have in a contract year, that man is going to get paid. Yes. And it would really hurt to see Taze go, but the money that he is going to get, like we are still pretty well out of it, but just based on what he's done the last couple of years, he knows the money he can get on the oh, market, or at least his agents do. And the Avs know that too. 
Look at what Seth Jones got paid. Right. Like, like Devontae is going to get that type of money. Guys like Devontae's get paid. They get paid. A left-handed defenseman, top pair guy who played along Kale McCarr for the last several years. Any team's going to look at that and be like, we need this. Here's $8 million for the next six years. I think the Avs can work out an extension, but the second he starts getting those whispers of what other teams might have to offer him, then it's going to get a lot harder to bring him on. No matter what, he's going to get paid. The guy makes $4.1 million right now and will for the next season as well. I really hope they can bring him back and find a way to talk to him. Like They're going to talk to him this offseason. And July 1st, they're going to try to get him extended. That's the earliest they can do it. And this is probably the lowest you can buy Devontae's right now. That's that's exactly my point. Because next year, in a contract year, that man's going to get paid a lot of money. Yeah. So we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, that's going to be an interesting one for sure. But yeah, just if you're an Avs fan, it sucks losing in the playoffs. It does. But I think it softens the blow that we won the cup last year. And this team's going to be right back where they are next year. We have, we get to go into an off season with no goaltender issues. Yeah. Isn't that so nice that we don't have to worry (laughs) about who's starting in goal next year. And I know a lot of people aren't super happy with Georgiev in this playoff series. I mean, he wasn't perfect. There were, there was definitely some goals that you don't love, but he finished at what a nine 14 and he finished three and four his numbers were very in line with the regular season where he finished at a 918. He finishes the playoffs at a 914. He was not bad enough where you're at all questioning his no. future. Yeah, he got outplayed by Philip Grubauer, but Grubauer had the series of his life. He did. He did. And what was our save percentage last year with our goaltenders? Like I 900? Know, I know Kempers was a 902. Yeah. So. Look at that right there. He was already better than our goaltenders last year. It's just the team in front of him wasn't the same team. And it's nice not to have to worry about goaltending for another two years. Uh, we're going to be good. So it, that's just one less thing you have to worry about. Right. Now it's really just fo- focusing on getting your forwards replete, like replenished and getting another defenseman probably. Right. And you know, you're not going to have the same giant questions this offseason that you did last year where – you don't know what's going on with Gabe Landeskog like you did last offseason because now you kind of do. And right. now you know that him missing an entire regular season is a probability. And hopefully by the time July 1st rolls around, you have a much clearer timeline of what that looks like. And you can actually build your team next year with that plan in mind of when he's going to be back, if he's going to be back at all. Because if he's not, obviously that sucks but that's 7 million smackaroos that you can spend in the off season. And that would help a lot, but you do need that answer. Whether you have Gabe Landeskog back next season at some point, or you don't, you just need an answer one way or the other. I really think that we're not going to know by the time free agency starts. And that's going to be the shitty part. Yeah two months from now is when free agency starts. I mean, surely we should have something, right? There's there's no, there's no more rush. You're not trying to get him back into games. You can get an honest, realistic timeline in two months, right? Hopefully. We'll see. We'll see. But that, if anything, I think if, if we get to the trade deadline next year, 
and he's still like no assurance that they're going to spend big at the trade deadline. If he's not back by the trade deadline next year, the earliest he will be back is the playoffs, if at all. I mean, we've seen sometimes that this stuff just, you're never the same after this, and it could end careers. I mean, Sean Couturier is another guy you look at where he's just had back issue after back issue, and I almost forgot he existed and how much I wanted him on the abs before he signed that extension with the flyers. I hadn't even thought about that name until you just said it. I, I forgot he was an NHL player. I did. I honestly did too. I heard his name today. The hockey dot guy did a, did a great video on how the abs are looking after in the first round, he brought up Sean Couturier when talking about Gabe Landeskog. I was like, Holy shit. I totally forgot that guy existed and how much that used to be my Elias Lindholm back in the day for a guy that I would love on the abs. But for Gabe Landeskog, you don't have answers right now, and hopefully you get those answers in two months and that you can actually build your team accordingly. You would think at some point he'll be back next year, right? You just, I don't know, man. I hope. I hope. I just don't know. Because it's it's a weird thing because we talked about, like, he's fine to walk around and move, but just when he puts on skates, it's a whole different animal. And those are really tough ones to come back from. So even still, you can't rush him back. I sincerely doubt we're talking about him being back for game one next season. That'd be a miracle. That would be a miracle. I think trade deadline for me is where I'm going to loosely put an expectation. Like we're talking 10 months from now. I think that's fair. I do. I think that's a fair, fair estimate. Yeah. And so long as you have an answer, you can work in the offseason. I like you you talk about the armchair GMs I do. I'll talk about all those on a, on a different episode because I could go on for those <laughs> and my ADHD fueled cat friendly benders for hours. But there are ways that you can build a competitive team with Gabe Landeskog's money in the plans or not. Right. You can get a second line center. You can fill out your depth. You can do all the things you need to do with that $7 million hanging over your head or not having it outside of your payroll makes it a lot easier, but you can still do the things that you need to do. You can absolutely get a second line center. There's no excuse to go into next season, still having these questions. You need to go out there and get a bona fide guy. It can't be JT Comfer, it can't be Alex Newhook, and it can't be by committee. We tried it. It did not work. It actually work. failed. It failed spectacularly for most of the season. Comfer was good until the deadline. And after that, his production fell off a cliff. And in the playoffs, he just couldn't do it. They got killed when he was out on the ice. They did. And he played a lot of minutes. So interesting times coming up ahead. Um, I think we kind of hit the nail on the head there. We we just talked about that for 50 minutes, but is there any other abs thoughts you have before we move on to just kind of recapping what's been round two so far? I mean, there's the thing about episodes like this is I have so many thoughts. I know, but we got, we got like, to prolong this, man. I know, We've got like the five best months I mean, like, season you're, asking, you're asking me if I've got thoughts like, yeah, I've got two months worth of thoughts about yeah. this team right now. Another guy I actually do want to talk about before we move on too much is Evan Rodriguez. And I'm very interested to see what the Avs are going to do with him this offseason. Because he made it clear he wants to be back. He loves it here. And he believes that this team is built to win championships and his family loves Colorado. I think there is a path, but there's going to need to be some give from him too. 
because his it's not like he played the lights out this season. He was good. I think he's kind of what we expected him to be. If not, he's a, exactly what we expected yeah, him to be. If not, like maybe a little bit better, but he also was playing in a role that we didn't expect. We were expecting this guy to be a middle six player. And once Landis God comes back, probably the guy that gets bumped down to the third line and gives you depth scoring. But for most of the season, he's playing up with McKinnon and playing on the second line. He gives you 16 goals, 23 assists, 39 points in 69 games. Like it's nothing to write home about. But when you're talking about a playoff series where you have maybe four guys that you really liked from start to finish, and he's one of them, I think there's a path that this is just a good fit here. And maybe he takes a little less money to compete with this team and the team's willing to play ball because you saw that he fits really well with Nathan McKinnon when you have to play him with them and is just a good fit for what this team's trying to do. And one of the few non scapegoats from that horrible series. I agree with that. I'm interested to see what they do too. I I think he's going to get like 3.5 from a team like fucking, uh, I think like Anaheim or someone like that. I, I think you can give Erod 3.5 and still be able to manage. It'd be tough. Yeah. But 3.5 for a guy who is a middle six forward, probably ideally on your second to third line when Gabe Landeskog is healthy. I think 3.5 for what we got out of him for, let's say, three, four years on his contract. He's 29, I believe, isn't he? He's yeah, he's 29. You're going to have that contract until his early thirties. I think you can make a 3 million, 3.5 million war. I think that's honestly fair. I think it is too. It just depends on the term. Right. Really? But I, 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 I completely agree with you. We, I want Erod back. Yeah. It seems like all parties want Evan Rodriguez to stay in Colorado. Most importantly, Evan Rodriguez wants to stay in Colorado his teammates like him, management like him. They went out, identified him, and got him. So they clearly like him. The fans like him. So now you got a ball game, and you have an extra two months to talk to him and try to work this out now because you have his signing rights because he's your player. So I'm interested to see where they go with that. I'm honestly more confident in him coming back than anyone else from even the Cup team last year. If they bring back one UFA, I think it's probably going to be Erod. I think that's fair. I think that's a good guess. Like uh, I kind of have that same sentiment. I I, I agree. I think JT Confer is going to walk out the door. I just, um, I just don't think you need him. And the yeah. money he's going to demand is going to be too much unless he's willing to come back for three C money. I, which is like 3 million. Yeah. yeah. He'd be taking a pay cut. <laughs> right. Like 3 million bucks for three to four years. Like I'd be, I'd be okay with that. But if you're paying JT Confer above 4 million bucks second line center money at that point and that's your plan i just don't see how that's going to work we've tried and it's, he's going to get paid and is probably going to work out just fine somewhere else yeah but there just comes a time when players move on and the avs need more from their centers than jt comfer right now agreed agreed so We'll have to wait and see. There's a lot of exciting offseason stuff coming up. Really a lot of stuff that uh, that the Avs will do. We'll break it all down. Like we said, we have five months of nothing to fucking talk about except this. So um, let's move on to just a recap of the two second round games that have happened so far. 
Um, and game seven. We haven't talked and, about the, the other game seven. Which, uh, we, didn't we talk about the Rangers one? No, that was after us. That was a day after. I thought we did when we did our whole Rangers tribe about how they played the worst game seven of all time. Yeah, we did. I mean, I guess we did a little bit. But yeah. We, we did not officially do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, real quick, yeah, the, the Devils kicked the shit out of the Rangers in this game. Yeah. Like, Igor Shosturkin kept this game from being like 9 nothing because the Rangers just did not care. They rolled over and died. It was such a horrible performance from the Rangers. I mean, they put 31 shots on Schmid, which is all they can say. Kreider had nothing the last few games of the series. He had one in game six. The Rangers had one last gasp in game six, and the Devils just ran them out of the building the rest of the way. I mean, that game was embarrassing if you're a Rangers fan, because like we said, they're in trouble now. Yeah. They they got to figure out what the hell they're going to do with this team that they just went all in on, and it went up in flames. Well, that's a good way to put it, went up in flames. So, yeah, I'm interested what the Rangers do. They're going to fire Gerard Gallant, and that's that's pretty much like the most – I think next coach to get fired, uh, he'll get picked up by some team because that's just how NHL coaching works. It'd be very funny if he went to the Caps. Ugh. <laughs> I know. See, see but... the funny the funny thing is, two years ago, I would have done backflips about that because yeah. I, I was number one on the Gallant to Washington train back when they hired LaViolette. Yeah, but we'll have to see. Um, but yeah, Rangers died. They that that year Last year was kind of an anomaly. Igor Sesterkin's still good, but... Man, they got worked by the Devils. I think they're going to be fine. I mean, we're talking like this as a five-alarm fire. The only guys expiring are the guys they acquired and Alexi Lafreniere this offseason. Maybe they can find a way to bring Tarasenko back. I, th- I think they will pack Patrick Kane's bags for him without yeah. he played in these playoffs. Tyler Mott, another guy. Nico Mikola, another guy. So it's basically Keandre Miller and Alexi Lafreniere are the guys expiring. Like They still got two more years of Shesterkin at 5.6 like they're still locked into this team for a while but i think the the mystique that might have been built around the rangers after going to the eastern conference final last year has been broken in a big way yes i think it's a good way to put it but yeah uh devils are currently losing 3-1 to the hurricanes as we are watching this game Vitek Vanacek came in the net game I did not even notice that did you said that and it's like he just materialized in yeah like that's crazy I did not did Schmid get hurt I've not obviously I don't know I haven't watched either I've been doing the show so I yeah the Twitter but but uh I mean this series is going to be I think there's like 40 combined shots between the two teams right now oh the Devils Uh, had one shot in the first period yeah yeah, it's going to be uh, the Devils currently have 16 shots and the Hurricanes have uh let me do quick math, 20. Yeah. So 17 to 20 in shots with 10 minutes to go in the third period right now. Yeah. Not exactly the most fascinating hockey in the world, but it should be a pretty interesting series if we're just going to talk about this one right away first. Like I I personally picked the Devils to win in six games not feeling super confident about that right now but (laughs) i got the hurricanes in seven yeah i mean if carolina can score then then that's probably going to tilt this series in their favor especially if schmied breaks in this series or i don't i don't know what's going on with him right now i don't know if he got pulled or if he got hurt but if if freddie anderson's in there and making big saves for them i mean maybe carolina's just playing the right way in the playoffs right now yeah maybe but yeah, that, I think that series, I like the Hurricanes in six. I had the Hurricanes in the Eastern Conference Final. Um, but I'm going to roll with the Hurricanes. 
Yeah, I mean, I've I've been a doubter of the Hurricanes coming into these playoffs. I'm I'm gonna stick with it because I wasn't super impressed with them against the Islanders, but I I picked the Devils to win in six. But I like the way the Hurricanes are playing right now. But yeah. it's a long it's a long series, and the Devils very long series two days ago in game yeah. against the Rangers, and probably have not had a lot of time to adjust. They almost just made three two, but interesting series. I mean the. The Eastern Conference is just up in flames right now. Oh, yeah. Because on the other side, you've got Toronto playing Florida in round two, which two years ago, if you suggested that, you'd probably be locked in a straitjacket. Yep. Yep. You'd be locked in a straitjacket. And Florida won the first game. Like they they won that first game. I don't think the Leafs need to panic. Uh, like Bobrovsky was really good last night. He was really, really good. I don't know if he can repeat that. And all of the Panthers' good players showed up last night, and they all contributed. And Carter Verhage's just somehow become like he is a playoff murderer. At yeah. I can speak to that watching him play the Caps last year. That guy is a killer in the playoffs, yeah. and he wins the series for Florida over Boston in overtime, and scores a big goal in Game One. I, I picked Florida to win this series. Like Toronto got outplayed most of that series against Tampa, which is very funny that that's the one they actually won yep. is the one where you can argue probably in four of six games, they got outplayed in that series. And I think Florida is going to be riding high right now. And they're going to be a tougher out than I think people are going to give them credit for. Cause I think people are talking about a Bruins choke and ignoring the Panthers did a really good job. They did. And Matthew Kachuk is going to be the most hated man in Toronto. Oh, yes. It's time. And as long as Sergei Bobrovsky can hold the fort, then I think the Panthers can win this series, especially if they're getting Brandon Montour on the torrid pace that he is on in these playoffs right now. And Carter Verhage producing the way he is. This They're a good team. I'm gen- I picked the Panthers to win that series in seven. I think it's going to be a fantastic series, probably the best one of the second round. But I think the Panthers, they we just saw they're very hard to kill. Yeah. I don't I, I, I don't know if the Leafs are gonna be able to do that. Yeah, I still like the Leafs in seven. I do. I, I think it's the Leafs year. I do. So it would be very funny if this is the year that Florida like goes deep <clears throat> because last year was supposed to be that year. And the team's like significantly worse than what it was last year. Yeah. So maybe you bring in Matthew Kachuk instead of Huberdeau, and he's going to will this team to a deep playoff run. So we'll have to see. That's going to be a fun series. I I think it's going to be really good. Move on to the West. Uh, We'll talk about the Kraken first because that game happened. Um, And the Kraken, I still don't think they're going to win this series. Like, am I crazy? Like, I, I still think the Stars, like they almost won this game last night and they probably shouldn't have. Like that game shouldn't have even really been that close. I still think Ottinger is going to beat uh, beat Grubauer, but man, that was a hell of a win for the Kraken last night. What a weird game. Yeah. You have obviously the main story is Joe Pavelski scores all four goals for the Stars in his return to the lineup. And all four of the Kraken's goals in regulation came within four minutes. Yeah. Like they, you get the first one from Schwartz, and then three minutes later, it's Schultz. 11 seconds later, Bjorkstrand, and then not even a minute later again, Jordan Eberle makes it 4-2 to two for the Kraken at that point. Joe Pavelski had the two goals. He gets the hat trick in the third period, and four minutes later gets his fourth, 
And the overtime, I thought the stars were playing pretty well. And then Yanni Gord just turns and rips one over Jake Ottinger to give the Kraken a 1-0 series lead. I mean, I had the stars in six coming into the series, but if the Kraken continue to just get it, timely depth scoring i think they're they definitely have a shot to win this whole series but i just think dallas they've they don't have the weaknesses that the abs did last round they've got jake ottinger in net their stars are producing and they're getting goals from guys like wyatt johnston and max domi like they're getting production from their other guys which the abs never did in in the first round and they have the star power to back that up. I'm still picking the stars to win that series. I'm rooting for the Kraken to win because I don't want the stars to do well. Plus, it just if they do just crush Dallas, it makes us look way better. Yeah, I, I, I have the exact same sentiment you do. I'm cheering for the Kraken. I still think the stars get this done in six. Yeah, I agree with that. And we'll see where that one goes. An excellent game one. The Kraken win that five to four in overtime with... Game two probably going on by the time you're listening to this tomorrow. And we we don't have any other games going on, but we've got Edmonton Vegas happening later tonight. By the time you're hearing this, the result will all already happened. Strangely, for such a good series, I have not seen a lot of people talking about this series and the fact that it's a McDavid versus Eichel playoff series, which I don't think any of us expected we'd ever even get. Yeah, it's going to be a fun series. Uh, I think the Oilers have the talent. Uh, but can they break Vegas's four check? That's really going to be the interesting part for them. Um, I think Edmonton's going to win the series. I do. I just, I don't know if I trust Stuart Skinner still. Like he was kind of shaky against the Kings. And I th- I'm going to take the Oilers in seven. I'm going to take the Oilers in seven. I agree with that. I had the Oilers in six, but it's also another thing I saw today is McDavid might be hurt. He took, really? he took that knee on knee hit from Drew Doughty and in practice today, like he, he was flexing on that knee a little bit. Interesting. And you know, everyone's talking about like, Oh, McDavid wasn't the best player in the world in the first round. Didn't he have 10 points still? I think something like that. Like he, I'm pretty so sure he still had 10. Yeah. He had, he still had 10 points in the series in six games. He had three goals and seven assists. Just what he did last year that people right. are like, Oh, he's, he's not the same. Yeah. Like in dry. And everyone's talking about like, Oh, how amazing dry cell has been. He had 11 talking about 11 versus 10 and the Oilers, they're getting valuable contributions from their other guys. And as long as Stort Skinner can give them saves, I, I think they're the favorite in the playoffs right now entirely. If I had to pick one team of the eight left, it, it would definitely be the Oilers to win the, to win the cup. But we've seen firsthand crazy shit happens in the playoffs and Vegas right. is a good team that has not really gotten a lot of respect. And I haven't respected them a ton either. And if Laurent Brassois can hold the fort for them and they continue to get good depth scoring, like th- this is going to be a very good series. Like no matter what, whoever wins, they're going to have a piece taken out of them by the end. Absolutely. But I still think the others get it done. I do. Yeah, I agree with that. You said Oilers in seven. I said Oilers in six. I just, I need to see more from Vegas's top guys. In yeah. This- like that, that's going to be the key. You know, they're going to get probably decent depth scoring. You need Eichel to be a superstar in this series. You know, you have no room for Mark Stone to, to regress due to injury whatsoever right. in this series. Like you, you, they just need more to go right than Edmonton does who they have the two of the best players in the world right now 
on the same team. And even if McDavid is a little banged up, Dreisaitl seems just fine. Yeah, for now. For now. For now. But for now. we'll see. That's gonna, it's going to be a fun second round. It's going to be fun. And the rest of the playoffs are going to be fun. Uh, but I don't think I have anything else, man. I really don't. I mean, we could go on for hours, but at some point we have to have other episodes eventually. Yeah. I mean, even even in my first season when the Avs lost to Vegas, at least that was the, the conference final and the Stanley yeah. Cup final I had to get through. I have not had to do the the second round before. So we're going to wrap this one up here. We've still got plenty of things to talk about over the next coming months, and we'll keep an eye out for other stories about the Habs as the day goes on. I'm sure they'll announce all the injuries in the coming days and hopefully find out where Val Nachushkin is over the next little bit. Maybe we get some sort of update on what's going on with that. Maybe we don't, but outside of that, there's just, when, I don't know. When you lose, there's not a whole lot you can do. No. Way. I applied to be the social media coordinator for the Avs. So uh, let's keep that hype train going. That'd be a cool job. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. We definitely wouldn't abuse our power at all. Definitely would. But uh, yeah. Oh, I almost forgot. I can't believe we didn't lead off the show with this. I went to the golf range today uh, because I had a job interview uh, with the restaurant there. And I just went out and hit some balls. Fucking Milan Hayduke was there. <laughs> like, and no one knew who he was except for me. Like, it was the craziest thing. Uh, we met at the, we were getting our, our range balls. And he, he hands me a bucket. And I look at him. I go, you're you're Milan Hayduke, right? And he goes, yeah. And I was like, I'm a huge Avs fan. Like, this is really cool. Um, and he was like, yeah, it sucks they went out that way. But I, I, I am cheering for the Kraken because I can't cheer for the Stars. So <laughs> that was cool. Um, yeah, Blonde Hey, dude, cool guy. Lot like it's just weird seeing hockey players outside of like you expect them to be so much bigger, and they're just normal looking people like just normal looking people. And uh, his golf game's good, I can tell you that. He was like two people down for me, and I was chunking shot after fucking shot, and he's just precise, like putting them in the bucket. So Milan, Milan Hayduke was the most recent 50 abs goal scorer until me, yeah. and the guy's guy knows what he's doing with that. I just wish I was more composed uh, because I would have asked him so many more questions, but it, it, all I literally got out was like, you're Milan Hayduke, right? <laughs> that's, that's all I got. That's all I, I mean, got. I mean, in your defense, you're not really expecting to turn around. It's like, oh, that's Milan Hayduke. Yeah. Right there. And he's talking to me. Yeah. People. He's talking yeah, to me a golf people. bag. Yeah. So that was cool. But yeah, I mean, Milan Hayduke, cool dude. Cool dude. Cool dude. So yeah, it's been, it's been a crazy, uh, crazy three days, but yeah, yeah, that was cool. Yeah. So we're going to wrap this one up here. Thank you all so very much for tuning in to another edition of the tell it abs. It is podcast on the hockey podcast network. You can, you can still use promo code tell it abs. It is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at G Young's NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore belay, and you can follow the show at tell it abs. It is, but again, thank you all so very much for tuning in and we will catch you all next time. As we go back to our normal schedule for now, we'll see where it's all going in time with schedule and everything. But for right now, we're going to go right back to our normal regular season schedule until further notice. But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in. We will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go abs. Go abs.